Welcome to the Digital Masters Growth Marketing Podcast for professional service providers, agencies, and consultants. We're going to be talking innovative strategy, tactics, and the tech tools that marketers are using in the trenches today. Made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let's get into it. All right, Jacob, man. I'm really glad you're here. How's it going? Good. How about you? It's going good, man. It's like... uh, you know how it is. Well, your business is doing good. I'm kind of in the earlier stages, but you know how that goes. Totally. Did you? Yeah, you've been putting up some great content on LinkedIn. I've been enjoying seeing it. Yeah, that means a lot to me, man. I, it's uh, it's been quite a journey, and um, I've been advocating content to you know lots of people. So you know, hearing that from you means a lot. So I appreciate that. Totally. So. Um, so I know you get a lot of content or a lot of traffic to your site, but um, one thing I want to break to you is I think a lot of that is just me, like <laughs> <laughs> coming to your site, like over and over. Like you, I, when I first ran into you, <laughs> when I first ran into you, I, I, uh, I, I just loved the way your site was set up. And, um, and then, and then you published that one thing that says, this is basically the template to, um, to build your landing page. And, oh yeah. And, yeah. I the think website, that, the website templates. Yeah. That was a great resource. And I've, I still go back to that and I still remember like your original format, you know, it's like, uh, you know, what, what was this? Like, um, you, you're only going to want t- two things from me. Um, totally. <laughs> and I just, I loved the way that was set up cause it was so clear. And, uh, anyways, um, that's awesome, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, yeah, of course. Um, but one of the things that blew me away, because I, I go to your site a lot and I, I saw, I, I saw on there, it was like, uh, I thought it was a gimmick at first. You said um, that you're number one for the word copywriting. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not possible. Um, and I clicked on your link and I was like, dang, he really is like, and so that kind of blew me away. I was, I was hoping you could tell me like, number one, like what drove you to do that? And then kind of like, what was your thought process for actually making that happen? Yeah, so um, my I think my answer is going to be slightly like part informing and, and a little bit of a letdown uh, because the, the truth is I wasn't at the time aiming for for copywriter. Um, what about twelve months ago I decided to kind of lower my freelance work and start working a lot on my own site content uh, and seeing if I could rank across the board for a bunch of copying copywriting related terms. And part of what motivated me to do it is I had helped a client the year before um, who was like a a second year website rank for literally, you know, top three for every consulting related keyword. Um, You know, consulting, consultant, how to become a consultant, how to start a consulting business. And so I was kind of like, you know, and, and, and he was making a bunch of money from that. So I was like, why don't I do the same thing for myself, but with copywriting? Um, and so kind of the last 12 months, that's what I was working on. I had written a post last uh, January of 2019, I believe it was, on I had done like this complete guide to how to become a copywriter. Um, and that was the phrase, how to become a copywriter that I wanted to rank for. Um, at the time, uh, Ramit Sethi was the, the top result for that, as well as uh, a guy named uh, Neville, who uh, also sells copywriting training. Um, and so I was kind of like looking, you know, they'd been there for years and I was like, you know, how do I, how do I just create a resource that I feel is a bit more comprehensive, 
um, maybe a little more uh, contextual. Like a, a lot of times when you get into these in-depth guides, sometimes people jump the gun on, you know, diving into things before people really understand. And then on the flip side, a lot of times people kind of kind of stay in the shallow end and don't really go as deep as they could. So I was kind of trying to aim for that sweet spot of, you know, introducing people at the beginning and kind of getting them deep by the end. Um, and so that's what I did. And I, and I, and I predicted it. That one was kind of cool because I predicted to my email list. I, remember I was that. like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to rank for, I'm going to be on the front page for this in six months. Six months. Yeah. Uh, and I was, I'd like just cleared like nine or 10. And then I was like, you know, give me another three months. and I'm going to be in the top three. And I hit it again. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm getting good at this. Uh, but then, um, around, uh, December, January of, you know, December, 2019, January, 2020, Google's algorithm started changing a bit. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, the, the results that were ranking for how to become a copywriter started showing up on the front page for just the word copywriter. Um, and so at that point I was like, shoot, I need to narrow this in and aim for this term specifically. Um, and so that's when I started playing around and, you know, making some adjustments specifically to try to catch the featured snippet box. Um, and within like a week I had it uh, and it was kind of cool. I was, I was the number one result. Plus I had the snippet box for like two weeks and I got a ton of traffic from that. Uh, and then Google right then for the first time in 10, 20 years, Google changed it to where, or I don't, I don't remember how long they've had featured snippets, but for the first time since the introduction of snippets, uh, they changed it to where if you have the snippet, you don't get the first result as well. Uh, so, so then I was like, so then it was like not quite as good to be number one, but it still makes sure, you know, it's, it's still, I'm still getting more traffic than anyone else for that term. Uh, and it makes for a great little, you know, party story slash uh, bullet point on the about page. <laughs> oh yeah. I thought that was like, honestly, I, I couldn't believe uh, it just seemed like almost impossible um, I, I was actually, it was funny. Yeah. I was, I was talking to my mom last week and I was telling her I was going to, uh, interview and she actually knows you too. Cause I've talked a lot about, um, you with her and, uh, and she was like, well, it just takes persistence. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, I, I'm sure it does. Like, and it's probably Not true. <laughs> it's yeah, it's like it's true. But I was like, there's gotta be like some, some like, so, so when you started to see that, it's like, what, how does your mind think? What do you start doing? I know it's probably more advanced stuff, but like, what is your, you, what do you start doing to like tweak it? It's honestly just, um, search intent, uh, and, and, you know, matching the search intent and then also keeping people reading your stuff. I've, I, I break with the larger SEO community on several key points, most notably that I think Google's kind of full of shit in terms of what they say the ranking factors are. Uh, I think Google just outright lies to us on certain points. Um, so technically like time on page isn't a ranking factor. But when I look at my content versus the content I'm outranking, I'm a lot of times I'm behind on all these other points, but I have like a, you know, six and a half, seven, eight minute time on page average. Uh, and, you know, um, and I, and that's kind of, that's kind of the, some people would say, oh, that's just bounce rate, but bounce rate separate from, from time on page. They're, they're very different metrics. Um, and so to me, the, the fact that it, it just kind of comes down to the people who stick around to read my content, like read it through to the end a lot. 
you know, like they really engage with the content and it's, you know, that there's nothing super special to that. It kind of just comes down to really thinking through what they're looking for. And as I said before, kind of taking them through it in a way where you, you create the context early so that each point you provide makes sense. And it's not just like, you know, let me bash you over the head with these really like, uh, minute tactics when you don't really understand the concept or at the same time when they're actually looking for tactics you aren't continuously forcing them to stay in the shallow end and just discuss concept so it's kind of you know kind of finding the the mix and match there and then also to just following you know following best practices in terms of in terms of on-page seo internal linking um internal linking is a, a very overlooked uh, tactic that a lot of people who do a ton of car content marketing don't do, and which is where you, you know, go through your blog posts, your other blog posts and link to a post you're wanting to rank uh, uh, around, you know, the terms that you're looking to rank for. So going in, you know, after you publish a post and adding a few links like that throughout your content, uh, it's made a huge difference for me. I noticed an immediate difference in, in ranking speed and ranking, uh, height, I guess, you know, how, how high I got in the rankings when I started implementing that a few years back. So, so specifically what you're saying is like you publish something new and then you'll go back into an old post and like, there'll be a keyword that links to it. Like you didn't go in depth on it, but then you go in depth on it later. So you link to it from there. Exactly. And if you want to get really advanced, that's where you start thinking with your content strategy, you start planning for that in advance. So you start thinking, you know, um, and, and I mean, this I is, see, yeah. This is very, you know, uh, classic kind of uh, spoken wheel type, uh, you know, pillar content uh, type strategy. But um, sometimes, sometimes the actual content isn't a perfect fit for that spoken wheel. So you just kind of want to just, you know, be thinking in general about how is my content going to interact with each other? Um, and how, you know, when, when you're writing your pillar pieces, you want to be thinking about what content will it make sense for me to link out to from that piece? And then you want to go write that content instead of needing to link out to another site, you're linking to yours and then you're linking that content back to the pillar post. Uh, so just it, it, the, the essence of it is you're just, you're communicating to Google, this is what we want. You know, these are the posts that we want to rank for these terms. And our blog is built around, you know, these being our main posts. That's kind of the essence of it. Gotcha. And, and what's that spoken wheel? What, what is that? Like, I haven't heard that. So before. it's kind of just the idea, you know, you have, you have a wheel and then you have the hub in the middle and then the spokes coming out to the wheel. So you kind of structure your content that way where you have your, your main posts that are the hub posts. And then you have these posts around the edges that kind of all connect to each hub and you, you link them back I to, see. you know, to each other and back to each other. Uh, it's kind of, Kind of just a popular terminology that's been in the space for quite a while. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And then you, this, this is something I actually wanted to touch on um, that you mentioned. And, and that is like the intent of, cause like SEO is intent based, right? So it's like people are searching for stuff. So I remember when I first reached out to you and had you help me when I was doing something a little bit different. Um, yeah. That was one thing that, I, that always bothered me that like, and maybe you can't solve these things beforehand, but um, like, how do you think about intent? Like, should you be reaching out to your customers and asking what they search for? Or is there a way you can go about doing that with, without them? Or like, what, how do you think about that? So there's a number of different ways. And to be honest, 
my specialty is really top of the funnel content. So it's the stuff that's getting a high traffic volume, uh, that's competitive. You know, that's kind of where I've made a name for myself is ranking for that stuff. A lot of times you can get even more value doing the mid and bottom of the funnel stuff. And that does come from talking to customers, kind of seeing specifically what they're asking about, the phraseology they're using, stuff like that. Because a lot of times it doesn't, a lot of times the highest value searches don't really translate into, you know, um, don't really translate into high search traffic. You know, that's where we talk about the long tail. It's where we talk about stuff that's, you know, basically if you were to grab a hundred different customers and they were all searching for essentially the same thing, they might all type it differently. Where with other terms, everyone's typing the same thing. Um, so you kind of, you know, uh, if you're doing mid to bottom of the funnel, yes, you go to the customer, you know, you go to the people who are doing the searches and try to figure out what are they looking for? What questions are they answering or asking? Uh, and then you build content around that. If you're doing top of the funnel, which is kind of, you know, historically what I focused on, um, then you're, you, you kind of use the search volume to inform your initial list. So you're looking for, you know, the stuff with high search volume, like, how to become a copywriter um, or website copywriting or something like that. And then, uh, then you're looking at, okay, what's ranking on the, on the front page um, for this term. And then that kind of informs you on what Google feels like the intent is from their, you know, data, what people are wanting to stick around on when they search that. Um, and so that can kind of help you, you know, thinking through that and then thinking just through, you know, if it's a little bit more specific, like how to become a copywriter, you know, that's, that's like, uh, that's a, a longer term with a little bit more specific intent, then you just think about, okay, if, I, if this was me, and I was searching this, what would I want? You know, what sort of resource would I be looking for? And you just try to create the best possible resource. And sometimes, um, you know, the more, the more competition there is for a term, the more sophisticated Google's understanding of what people are looking for is. Whereas with certain terms, um, maybe there's not a, a whole lot of competition. And so you'll have stuff on the front page that doesn't match the intent very well. So if you recognize that and then create something that matches the intent better, you know, you'll often jump right up to the top. And I, I see a lot of people complaining sometimes, especially in the marketing space about mediocre content, you know, holding these rankings just by virtue of, of back, backlinks and stuff like that. Um, but in my experience, um, it's really kind of just whining. Like when I actually, like I, the, the people I've been knocking off have not been, you know, we're talking, you know, but for my site, it's been seven figure businesses for some of my clients. It's been, you know, eight, nine, 10 figure businesses that we've been knocking off the rankings who are investing heavily in SEO. They have a ton of backlinks, but the intent just isn't very, like the intent match isn't very good. And if you legitimately go through and create something with a better resource for, you know, for a lot of people in marketing, when they think, oh, my better resources isn't working, all they did was just make something longer. And so they're, they're annoyed that their longer piece isn't ranking when it's not actually a better piece because it's not really answering the user intent better than what was already there at a shorter length. Got it. So then, uh, then how does a business decide especially when they're like, like, let's say they don't have anything. How do they decide whether to do the more top of the funnel or the more meaty stuff in the, in the middle? Like what's the thought process to even start thinking about that? 
So it, it sort of depends on your competition um, and kind of the budget that you're bringing to the table. You know, if you, if you are coming into a very competitive market with a low budget, you're not going to get any of the, you know, top of the funnel stuff. Like you just aren't. So, oh. you, you know, you want to start with the mid to bottom of the funnel stuff that maybe no one is really specifically targeting and see if you can kind of get some initial results there. Uh, you can also look to use paid promotion to kind of enhance the initial, you know, reach of your content and turn that into email subscribers. Uh, content has, you know, more uses than just SEO, as you know. Um, and so, you know, it, it kind of just, it kind of, it, it comes down to who are you competing for what on the SEO side? And then how can you maneuver around that? If you're not ready, you know, if you're not ready to try to smash it with a hammer, how can you scalpel out, you know, some pieces for yourself? I gotcha. And so when we first started working together, you had me write up like a bunch of articles and then you did like a keyword analysis on them. And there was a bunch of stuff that you're like, you're never going to rank for that. Yeah. Um, and then there was some stuff at the bottom was, is that the same thing we're talking about here where some of it's top of the funnel? And so you were helping me try to get mid, mid funnel stuff. Yeah. So when I work with, uh, when I work with someone who's, you know, looking for a content strategy in a competitive, in a very competitive space, uh, what I tend to do is I look for a mix. I look for kind of like, okay, what are some, you know, really high end keywords that we have a shot for ranking for like three years from now. And if we were to rank for this, it would be like a huge deal for the business. You know, I see. like it's, it's worth the investment if we're planning on making it. Uh, so I, basically those are the posts. I want to get a few of those posts up in the first year, because if you wait three years, you're starting three years away again, you know, like you, you have to get them up to start building, sort of building that uh, authority and building kind of, you know, time is a, is a ranking factor. Um, and, you know, and are those pieces like pretty meaty pieces? Like they're those are, exactly, those are going to be very meaty top of the funnel type pieces. Uh, and then with any content strategy I do, uh, I'm also going to be looking for some of those mid to bottom of the funnel pieces that we can try that could potentially get some, you know, search traffic in the first year. Um, uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, no matter how gung-ho someone is coming in at the beginning, if you're not seeing any rankings and you're not seeing any results, it can get, you know, it can get discouraging. It can make you want to second guess the channel. So it's good to have a mix of both. So you can kind of look for some initial results and maybe, you know, maybe you find some, uh, maybe you pub some of that content turns into like immediate sales because it's, it's that very low traffic, high intent stuff. Uh, that can grab a customer immediately. Whereas the top of the funnel stuff, again, you're looking for volume that trickles down through your funnel into a small percentage of sales. You're not looking, you know, for a click and buy. Uh, whereas with bottom, you know, bottom of the funnel stuff, you're potentially in that situation to have a click and buy type scenario or a click email sign up into very, very short, you know, window purchase. Um, so you kind of want to do, you know, you want to do a mix of the two um, for me because uh, when I kind of started going intense on my own content 12 months ago, uh, because I felt like I could rank for all the top, top of the funnel stuff up until this point, that's mostly been what I'm focusing on. And then through this next year, I'm going to start to, you know, now that my products are more in place and I'm a little more zeroed in on the, on the, the funnel side, I'm going to start looking to get some of that bottle of the, bottom of the funnel stuff as well. 
And, and then what, like, help me understand, like, what's the difference between like mid and bottom funnel? Like what, like, how do I really like understand the, the difference? So super simple example um, would be how to become a copywriter versus copywriting course. I see. Uh, I got so you. if I Google copywriting course, I'm either looking for a free course, you know, which free course means immediate email sign up, which is still, in, that's kind of mid, mid funnel. Uh, or I'm looking to purchase a course. Um, so that's bottom of the funnel. Uh, you know, that, that's something where I'm, I'm potentially interested in purchasing right now. Whereas if I look up copywriter or how to become a copywriter, you know, or uh, something like that, I'm more just exploring what that topic is, trying to see how I would go about doing that. Uh, which is, again, a, a great fit if you're looking to sell someone a copywriting course. You know, people who are searching that, you know, might be in the market for that. Uh, some percentage of them will be, uh, but you're probably, there's probably going to need to be a little bit of a nurturing process. Um, they're not necessarily looking to buy right now. Got it. Got it. So like copywriting course is bottom of the funnel or is that mid funnel too? Like, I, I guess. It's a mix. I mean, yeah, yeah the top, it, it, mid, bottom there, are, it's kind of, it's a little bit, you know. It's, uh, yeah. Don't overthink it too much. Fluid. Yeah, exactly. But just, just in general, it's more, you know, it's a search term with much lower traffic that people search when they have a specific use intent. Uh, and that's kind of what makes it that more bottom of the funnel search. Got it. Um, and then in terms of like, if somebody's just getting into it, like wh what should they be thinking in terms of results so they don't get discouraged? Um, and then, and then after we talk about that, I'd like to say like, what's the difference between me going at it alone and then me hiring like someone like you that can like supercharge it? Like, so I guess we'll start at the beginning. It's like, what should I expect? Like, what's realistic? So again, it depends on, you know. It depends. SEO is a, uh, I'm probably gonna get the wrong, but it's it's a zero sum game, right? Like it's, it's not, there's a limited real estate. Uh, there's limited real estate. And if you want a piece of it, you have to knock someone else out of that piece. Uh, so it a hundred percent depends on who are you competing against and how much ammunition are they bringing to the table? You know, like the, the, the sort of, uh, the most well-known high, high price niche in SEO is uh, personal injury law. You know, that's what I've all that. the original that. SEOs went after, uh, because, and, and it's so competitive, you know, uh, just because every, you know, the results of, of search traffic are so lucrative to these firms, um, that, if you want to compete in that space, you know, you got to bring tens of thousands of dollars, you know, possibly hundreds of thousands of dollars to the table on a, on a month to month basis to compete with some of these brands that have been doing that for like the last five to 10 years, you know? So, it, and take that all the way down to a niche where, you know, like copywriting, frankly, uh, where very few people are competing over it, you know, like the, as much as, as much as, um, as much as I'd love to sing my own praises over ranking for these terms, the reality is there, you know, for any given term I've targeted, there's maybe two or three serious players who I had to knock out to get it. It wasn't like, it wasn't like we had three pages worth of results that I had to grind through to get these rankings. Um, so, you know, coming in, coming in, you know, if you wanted to come in and compete with me in the copywriting space, you're going to need to bring much less to the table than if you were to go try to tackle personal injury law, you know, um, so yes, it a hundred percent depends. It's, it's really just a matter of, you know, 
who's already there and how much content are they doing? How much link building are they doing? You know, are they, are they running like a high volume of Google advertising? You know, are they spending a lot on Google ads? All those factors, you know, there's, there's lots of factors that contribute to what are you going to have to do to rank here? So how do the, how do the ads play into it? Like, so, I mean, running, if you're running Google ads to a, to a page, uh, and this, this might be one of those ones where Google lies to you a bit, but if it, it like they can, they factor that in sometimes to the SEO rankings of like, if you're spending, if you're paying them tons of money every month for ads related to that search term, a lot of times that gives you some SEO benefit as well. Oh, interesting. Uh, so it's just, it's just one more factor to consider, but it, it's definitely not a make or break factor. I gotcha. Cool. Um, so then, um, in terms of like, uh, there's, all, there's all these software tools out there. There's like href and all these, like, what are the top, like, what, what do you use? And like, what do you consider the top tools for, for doing SEO and are they required or is it like, like, how do you think about that? I use arefs. Uh, I, I really like it. Um, I, th I think for a long time, it was like the de facto standard. Um, I know they've been experimenting over the last year with some different data inputs. And so some people have felt like the, you know, the, 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 the outputs have been lagging or, or dropping. Uh, so it's something to consider if you're going in, but you know, it's been the gold standard for a long time. Um, and uh, I, I, to be honest, I mostly use it just for keyword research. I mean, honestly, keyword research is the tricky part of SEO. I, I would say I learned everything else about SEO in the span of like three months. And it took me like a year and a half to feel like I understood keyword research at all. Um, mm. and, and it's again, it's because it's because it's not like a, it's not a simple math equation of, you know, uh, hey, put this here, check off this box. This means it's good. This means it's bad. It's this kind of you know, it's just this multivariable comparison, you know, because like I said before, you're, it's, it's a, it's the zero sum game of what's, what are your competitors doing? And, you know, how does that translate to what you need to do? How does that translate to what you are even capable of? Um, and so you're just constantly comparing all these things. And then, and then you, you, you know, it's one thing to even understand what you're looking at on the screen on the graph, but then you actually, have to go out and attempt to rank for some of these things and see how those numbers translate into actual performance. And that's, that's a process. You know, I, I remember early on when I was exploring SEO, I would rank for these keywords that I thought would be this, you know, big deal. And I'd get like no traffic from them, you know, like I'd think, oh, if I can get this keyword, it'll be a big win. And then I'd get it and it'd be like nothing. Like I might as well not have gotten it. And I was like, like I still just had no clue like what I was looking at when I'd look at these, you know, this keyword research. And so that's kind of one of those, that's kind of one of those moats in this space, to be honest, where it's just like, it's, it's not, you know, 90, 90% of SEO, I could tell you everything I know on a 30 minute call. But when it comes to that, there's just like, you know, it, and, and that kind of translates to your other question, which was how can someone like myself help? And it's really, you know, the simplest answer is just in terms of uh, the keyword research, the stuff that you aim for with your content, 
you know, if, if you haven't had the background that I've had, it's hard to look at the landscape and, and know what to try to rank for. Um, whereas, you know, it, and because of how high investment SEO is, you don't want to do what I did in my first year and spend all this time. Uh, and in, in your case, not in my case then, but in your case now, probably a lot of money trying to rank for this stuff that doesn't actually do anything for you, that doesn't really help you, stuff that maybe you can't even rank for, like some of the things I told you, hey, don't even bother with that. Because, right. you know, uh, you could throw, you know, $100,000 at that and it might not be enough. So, so that's kind of the thing is just making, you know, it's really about getting the maximum return on the investment that you're going to make. Uh, and so having someone that can point your efforts and your investment in the right direction can be, you know, can be a pretty big deal. Past that, if you're talking about bringing an agency in to execute the full thing for you, um, that kind of, that's where potentially, depending on how you're going about creating this content, you know, uh, like I said before, when I do content, people are reading my stuff for like six, six, seven, eight minutes. Uh, whereas like the average for a lot of content is closer to like one or two minutes. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, it's just kind of variable levels of quality. Uh, and it's really easy. It's really easy to under, you know, to underinvest. It's very easy to overinvest in certain niche, you know, in certain niches, you know, it's very easy to overinvest. So kind of just having someone, whether they're, you know, out outside consultant or in-house kind of person managing it all who really can understand those things and, and make sure, you know, you're getting the most out of the time and effort you're about to put into that channel is, is pretty critical. Yeah, I gotcha. Cool. Well, hey, man, I appreciate all that stuff. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about like what you're doing so everyone else can can hear about it. I know you've got some exciting stuff. Um, I saw your email. It said you were going to be spending, was that 25 grand a month? Or was that on? Yeah, Facebook? yeah. I want to hear a little bit. I want to hear a little bit about the reasoning behind that because most people seem to start small and you're just like, I'm <laughs> I was like, what? Throw it that's, in. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, I want to, so t tell everybody what you're doing. I know you're making a transition. Um, and then tell us a little bit about the, the paid ads. Cause that, that's interesting stuff. Yeah. So over the last year, uh, I've, most of my effort has gone into, you know, making a comprehensive course to help, you know, freelancers either kind of, you know, establish freelancers make get more consistency, you know, in terms of client acquisition and their income and also something that'll help new new people entering the, in the, the field go from zero to replacing their full-time income in three months, potentially even, you know, hitting six figures in their first year, have a course for that. And then I also launched a community uh, that is exclusively for intermediate and advanced writers, solopreneurs, uh, marketers, uh, but kind of writing is the central piece for everyone's career for the most part. Uh, and that's just kind of, you know, uh, I found that once I kind of, got the info I needed to get up and running with my business, which really, what's really impacted me over the years is just being around people who are as ambitious and like-minded as me, who are trying things I'm not trying, who are succeeding in ways I'm not succeeding. Um, you know, pretty much everyone from my circle and in right minds that you've seen doing stuff on LinkedIn is because of these people we're exposed to who are doing great things through LinkedIn. So, you know, just stuff like that. Uh, and then also just, you know, if you're, if you're remote, can, this business can be lonely, man. Like it's, it's it, nice it to totally be around, is, totally you know, have some day-to-day -day interaction with people and just shoot the shit once in a while. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, those two things. Um, 
So this last year was really for me about validating that I can offer something worthwhile to people with this. And so 12 months in, we've had like a, you know, 75 to 80% retention rate on each, you know, for, for right minds, which is, has proved to me that we're offering something people really want and are really benefiting from in addition to all the, you know, actual direct feedback I've gotten. Uh, and then also the course has now been, you know, live for long enough that I'm starting to get a, a bunch of testimonials from people. So for me, it was like, okay, I know that this stuff is working for people, people now. So now it's time to, you know, step on the gas and, and try to get it out there. Um, and so there's a, there was a, a, a crew of guys who I've worked with on two clients in the past um, who they're, you know, ad guys. Uh, and they, the, the first client I worked with them, they helped take them from, um, I think they were at seven, from seven figures up to eight figures. And then the last client I worked with them on, they took them all the way to seven figures and, you know, uh, and this is course sales in both cases. Um, and so for me, it was just like, shoot, you know, uh, who knows how long Facebook's going to still be a viable strategy. Uh, it's been the gold standard for years and I haven't really utilized it at all. And I've been wanting to, and, uh, and these guys were willing to, to work with me on that. And they told me, Hey, you know, for us to really have a real shot at this, we need to start at 20 grand a month. So I'm like, yeah, you know, let's do it. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, let's That's take cool. a shot. We'll, we'll see what happens. And, and I've also just felt like throughout my career, you know, what's helped me get ahead and stand out has always just been being willing to take risks that most people aren't and try things that, you know, are high risk, high reward. And if it fails, you know, I, I know I'm going to be fine because, uh, you know, the freelance writing is a very reliable baseline for cash flow and income. And so that's always in the back pocket. And so, uh, you know, just going to take a shot and see what happens. And all your SEO stuff is already that's paying yeah, off. Exactly. And that's already there cooking for me. So that's, a, that's another baseline as well. So just felt like, you know, uh, a good time to, to take a shot. And, and I also know too, with just the pandemic, and I feel like we're in for another pretty big recession. Uh, and with that, you know, there's going to be a lot of people displaced from their careers who are going to be needing, you know, going to be needing a way to go make income now. That's not a something they've known in the past. And I just, I really truly believe that freelance writing is just one of the most reliable, you know, like we're, we're set to make over a trillion, you know, e-commerce is set to hit over a trillion dollars for this year, uh, which is, you know, blown out the projections and it's only going to get bigger and copywriting fuels all of that, you know, copywriting fuels every online business. And so the demand is just, it's exploding and, and, you know, we could, we could double the supply of writers we have right now and it would still be able, you know, it still wouldn't, wouldn't meet the demand. Um, and so, you know, I, I want to be, I feel like my course is uh, the best option out there. And so I want to, you know, I want people who are looking for help to find my course before they go spend three, four, five times on something that doesn't actually teach them how to land clients, you know, and stuff like that. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Copywriting is really interesting. Like I, to be honest, like before I, um, I had a whole other business that I grew over 12 years um, and really knew nothing about it. And like, once I started getting into it, um, it was actually really exciting and fun to do, especially because like, I'm, yeah, it is like, I'm dyslexic. So I've never liked writing big, long articles. They take me a long time. But one of the things that I think is fun about like LinkedIn and all those places is I get to write these really compact posts and like, 
that is actually kind of fun. And I feel it's more yeah. copywriting and learning those skills. Um, I remember when I first showed you my site, you were like, well, this is horrible. I don't even know what this is. And like over time, I just kept working on it and working on it. Yeah, I wouldn't call myself like a professional copywriter or anything, but um, I think I've definitely found a voice and a way to communicate through learning some of those those skills. I remember when you sent me the newer version of your site and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is night and day compared to the other. You like, you absolutely figured it out. Yeah, no, I, no, I appreciate that. Um, well, cool, man. Um, so then uh, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, definitely, you know, uh, head over to the site and if you kind of want to dive into any of the blog posts or um, I also do a weekly 10 minute audio series on writing, marketing, and freelancing. Uh, so you can, you know, sign up for either one of those or just, you know, drop me a line if you want to chat and, you know, or if you have any questions on SEO or copywriting or whatnot. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much, pretty much every, everything worth, you know, and anything you want to hear from me will come through the email list. So cool. And then what's the site? Uh, jacobmcmillan.com. Cool, man. Or you can just Google copywriter, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome, man. <laughs> Well, man, hey, I really appreciate your time. Like, honestly, ever since I ran into you, um, uh, I really like kind of looked up to you, like, especially like your focus in uh, building your business. And um, so it was a real honor that you would spend the time with me. So I appreciate it. Oh, totally, man. Happy to be here and uh, really enjoyed the ongoing connection with you since you first reached out to me and super been super fun to see your content on LinkedIn. Uh, I like how you are, you're hitting it with the, you know, you got the subtitles and everything, the great looking videos. It's, it's awesome, man. I love yeah, it's it. It's been fun. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. All right, man. I'll see you. Appreciate it, man.